Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Here's a dear Christian woman I know. Years ago, she's walking down the sidewalk in downtown Minneapolis. A distracted driver pulls his car over the curb, knocks her flat on the sidewalk, and she's had health problems for years. And you kind of hear that and you say, where was God? Or here's a woman who said, well, where was God the day my son died? And somebody answered, the same place he was the day his son died. Today we're going to talk about the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty means that God is in control of absolutely everything, even when your son dies, even when you get hit on the sidewalk. God is sovereign. He's in control of everything. There is a belief called deism. Thomas Jefferson was a deist, and the deists believed that God made the universe like a clock and he wound it up, and then God left. And now the universe is winding down on its own. God isn't involved in the universe. Christians, we are not deists. Christians believe God wound up the clock and made the earth, and he winds up the clock every second. God is intimately involved in his universe, and I gotta admit, Sometimes it takes faith to believe that, the way this world is going, but God is sovereign. He's in control over everything. So, and I didn't say it quickly after her accident, but after this woman got hit sometime, I said, well, a verse that comforts me is Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus said, a bird does not fall to the ground apart from our Father. So you could not have fallen on that sidewalk apart from our Father. God, God is sovereign over everything. It's easy to believe in the sovereignty of God when everything's going well. You know, people have said, you know, Pastor, that car swerved and missed me by one inch, and I know God has his angel protecting me. And that's true. But my question for this show is, can you believe God is sovereign even when you get hit? Today we're going to look at one of the most comforting favorite chapters of the Bible for people, Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is going to teach us God is sovereign over everything, even when we get hit, because he's using it all somehow for our good. So, will you take out your Bible? Turn to this wonderful passage, Romans chapter 8, and let's pray before we start. Father, we pray for anyone that's lost their eyesight. Maybe they've lost a child. Maybe they've lost their job, their health. Father, we would pray that you would give us the comfort of Romans chapter 8 and speak to us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul writes this to the Christians in Rome. Romans 8, we start at verse 26. 
Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. And he, God, who searches the hearts of men, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, Christians, according to the will of God. Here's the first lesson today. The Spirit is interceding for us. Years ago, I was preaching in Mexico. I preached in English. I had an interpreter that preached then in Spanish. And after the service, a Mexican couple came up who wanted to accept Christ. And I thought, I'm not going to use the interpreter. I'll just take out my high school Spanish. So I spoke to these two uh, dear uh, people that wanted to accept Christ, and I led them to the Lord in my Spanish, I think. Because <laughs> afterwards, the interpreter comes up. I said, how did I do? Because he heard the conversation. And he said, next time, senor, use the interpreter. <laughs> So, so I don't know what I said to those poor people. But, you know, that's kind of a picture of the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't know what we're saying half the time when we're praying. We don't know what we should pray for. Sometimes the stuff we're praying for, if we got it, we'd be in trouble. So, and there's stuff that we should be praying for that's not even on our radar. Isn't it nice to know the Holy Spirit's up in heaven, interceding for us, praying for us? Now, the rest of the sermon is about the sovereignty of God. Look at the next verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that in everything, in everything, God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Here's the next lesson. God is sovereign over everything for our good. Somebody said, nothing can happen to a child of God unless it first goes before the throne and gets permission. That's the book of Job, chapters 1, 2, and 3. There's a story that in the early 1900s, over in Wales, England, a mine collapsed, killing 200 miners. The bishop was called to do the mass funeral, and he said to the people gathered, in my Bible at home is a bookmark my mother made for me. If you look at that bookmark from the wrong side, it looks like a mistake, just a tangle of threads. But he said, turn that bookmark over and you'll see beautifully embroidered the words, God is love. And he said to the crowd, we are looking at this event today from the wrong side. It looks like God made a mistake in letting this happen. One day we'll see it from the other side and understand. That's Romans 8.28. God causes all things, even awful things, to work together for the good of those who love him. So, back in college, I had a Bible study. There was a young woman by the name of Marg who was in my Bible study. And then, during her college years, she started, I think, sleeping with her boyfriend. And she wouldn't talk with you about God anymore, stop coming to Bible study. I hadn't heard from Marg for 15 years. I got a phone call. Tom, I, I, for some reason, I just thought I was supposed to call you. Uh, I'm married now. I've got a couple kids. One of my children is very troubled. And it made me start going back to church. And now my husband and I are in Bible study and in church. And, and, and I told her, you know, I've been praying for you all these years, I think. But, you, you know, that, that's Romans 8.28. God causes all things, getting hit down on the sidewalk, 
a mind collapsing, having a troubled child. God works all things together for the good of getting people back to Christ. Look at verse 29. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now we have to discuss this verse. Those whom God foreknew, he predestined. Some people think the word foreknow means this. God saw ahead of time that I was going to choose Christ of my own free will, and on that basis, he predestined me. That's not what this teaches. <laughs> it was nothing in me that God saw that caused him to, to save me. That would be salvation by good works, and we don't believe in that. The Hebrew no for no is kind of like Adam knew his wife means that he was he loved her so foreknowledge here means God foreloved me that's what caused him to save me just that he foreloved me in fact do you realize this Ephesians chapter 1 says this God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that means not before you were born before God made the universe he chose you to be a Christian and, and, and verse 30 says this, those whom he predestined, he also called. Notice, God doesn't just know ahead of time who's going to be saved. He destines ahead of time who's going to be saved. So if, if you're a saved believer watching this show, praise God for that. You didn't do that. He did it all. Now, when I preach like this, I get people saying, well, Pastor Brock, I don't believe in predestination. I believe in free will, and I got saved 40 years ago when I went forward at a Billy Graham meeting. By my own free will, I accepted Christ. And here's my response. Who got you to that evangelism meeting? Who had Billy Graham preach the gospel that night? Who opened your heart so you could accept Christ that night? That wasn't you. You know what it says in the book of Acts, chapter 16? The Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the things said by Paul. And, and, and it says the apostles are preaching in the book of Acts, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Here's my belief. Nobody comes to God on their own free will. We love sin too much. The only way I come to Christ is when the Holy Spirit gets into my heart, opens it up, and brings me to him. God doesn't just foreknow. He predestines who will be saved. And, and remember, <clears throat> Jesus said in John 15, Disciples, you did not choose me. I chose you. And, and you know, so here's the, the lesson from verse 30. God is sovereign over our salvation from foreknowing and foreloving us all the way <clears throat> to glorification when we go to heaven. And it's, to me, it's a comfort God's in control of my salvation. I don't want to be. I had an old professor who said, I am comforted by the fact that my salvation depends 100% upon God and not this much on me because I have trouble doing this much. <laughs> the comfort of verse 30 is God is my Savior. He saved me, and he's the one who's keeping me safe. Years ago, my friend, my friend Buddy said, Tom, did I ever tell you how I got saved? My friend dragged me to this evangelism meeting at his church. I didn't want to go, but I humored him. The evangelist is up in the front. I'm leaning on the back wall of the church. I don't want to be there. And the evangelist says, if you've never accepted Christ, come forward. 
He said, I felt somebody push me in the back. I turned around, just bricks. Second time, if you've never accepted Christ, come forward. He said, again, something pushed me in the back. And he said, third and final time, if you've never accepted Christ, Buddy said, the third shove was so big, he actually kind of stumbled, went all the way up to the altar, accepted Christ, and got saved that night. That's this verse. You didn't come to Christ on your own. You never would have. The Holy Spirit, by his grace, pushed you, saved you, brought you to Christ. Look at verse 31. What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? Here's the next lesson. Because God is sovereign, no one can be against us. Now, you might say, wait a minute. The Christians who are being beheaded in the Middle East, what do you mean nobody's against them? Or in America, have you noticed? The liberal press does not like Christians. Have you noticed this? Well, I think verse uh, 31 here, it doesn't mean you won't have enemies. Christians will always have enemies. It just means in the end, they don't win. I, I remember years ago preaching at this big Catholic, I'm a Lutheran, but it was a big Catholic cathedral, and I was preaching on pro-life. And I said in my sermon, the Supreme Court says abortion is okay. One day, the Supreme Supreme Court will say differently. And that's the point of this verse. Yes, we have enemies, but in the end, they don't win. Look at verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect, God's chosen ones? Will... It is God who justifies, who is to condemn? Is it Christ Jesus who died? Yes, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us? Now look at that verse and answer this question. Who is condemning us? Is it Christ? Will he condemn us? The answer is no. He's up there interceding for us. I mean, I had this woman say, you know, I was raised in a church where I was told that God is my strict judge. When I came to see that God is my loving Heavenly Father, it changed everything. How do you see Jesus Christ? Is he the stern judge? Or is he up there continually interceding for you? Now, so, so there's the next lesson. God is sovereign, so no one can condemn us. Now, the devil's trying. It says this in Revelation 12. The devil, the accuser of our brethren, has been thrown down. He accuses them day and night before our God. Satan is continually condemning us. Jesus is up in heaven continually interceding for us. Verse 35. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And now in verse 36, as it is written, for, for God's sake, we are being killed all the day long as sheep to be slaughtered. Here's the next lesson. God is sovereign, but we will still go through trials. You know, even though he's sovereign, we're like sheep to be slaughtered in this world. You've heard me say this many times on this show. I don't like the prosperity gospel. Lots of TV preachers say that if you believe in Christ, you name it and claim it and believe in the promises, you're always going to be healed. You're always going to have financial prosperity. I think that's a lie. How much money did Jesus have when he died? 
How much, how much money did St. Paul have? Didn't these men suffering suffer? And the point of this verse is, Christian, our lot in life is to suffer. And we will do ourselves a favor by just accepting that and not trying to run from whatever suffering comes our way. Look at verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you ever have a day when you feel more than conquered? <laughs> this verse says, no, we are more than conquerors. So here's the next lesson. Because God is sovereign, I will conquer. And on those days when I feel awful, I need to get my mind off my petty problems, put them on Christ, and remember, I am connected to Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of the universe. He rules over everything. He rules, rules over all my tragedies somehow for my good. So I'm winning even on the days I don't think I am. Verse 38. I am sure that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, powers, no height nor depth, nothing shall in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, he's repeating himself here. Just in case what he said a few verses ago, he says it again. Here's the lesson. God is sovereign, so no peril can separate us from him, not even death. And he lists death first because that's the big one for everybody. The main thing humans are afraid of is death. Let me ask you this. Have you ever looked death in the eye? I know a pastor who says when he does a funeral... He pictures his own body in the, in the coffin instead of the person he's preaching for that day. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked death in the eye? Here's this, this woman that called and, you know, Pastor Brock, could you come talk to my husband? And her husband was not a believer, didn't go to church. but So I go over to the house and here's her husband sitting there. Well, Pastor, <clears throat> the doctor gives me six months. What can you do for me? <clears throat> and I said, well, I, I can pray for you, and I can do the best I can to make sure you're ready for death. Okay, let's do it, he said. So I, I took out a little Christian pamphlet on salvation, and Jesus came to earth to die for sinners and believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Would you like to pray and accept Christ into your heart? And he said, let's do it. <laughs> so we prayed, and he accepted Christ. I did bring an elder from the church, and we anointed him with oil, James chapter 5, to see if God would do a miracle. Well, he didn't. The man died shortly after that. But have you done that? Have you looked death in the eye? That's the thing Jesus came to save us from. And let, let me tell you the way I, I view death. I think death is a very narrow door. One day you're going to have to squeeze through that door. You have to leave everything behind, your family, your friends, every penny you have ever made. To get through that door, it's just you. You squeeze through it, but there's one thing that does go with you into that door. Jesus. Neither death nor life, nothing will separate us from Christ. When you get on the other side of the door, it's incredible. But you've got to go through the door. But Jesus will be with you through that door. I want to close with this. Sometimes I, I love going to Europe. So if I get the money and I seem right, I, I go to Europe. I want, you to, I want to encourage you. When I go to Europe, I get super excited. I, I plan out every day. I'm going to go to Paris this day, and I'm going to go to Chartres this day, and I, I'm going to go down, I'm going to do Lauterbrunn in Switzerland, my favorite place on earth. I get super excited when I go to Europe. What I want to encourage you to do is this. If you're a believer in Christ, 
look on your death like a trip to Europe. It's going to be incredible. I mean, you have to leave everything behind in America to get over there, but <coughs> once you're there, it's incredible. And here's a lady who said, you know, Pastor Brock, I've got cancer. And I eventually said to her, even if the worst happens to you, the best happens to you. And I've said this before and I say it again. When you and I are up in heaven, we're going to look back and say, why did I scratch and claw to stay down there? <laughs> the point of this pas passage is nothing, not death, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, and you were talking about predestination and that. Why doesn't God predestine everyone? To be saved. And that's a hard one, Jackie. And I'm not sure I know the whole answer to that question. But he, the Bible talks about the elect, the chosen ones. Not everyone is elect and chosen. And that's part of the mystery of, of divine predestination. God does what he wants. Yeah, I wish I, had a, wish I had a better answer. But how does a person know if they are predestined? Yeah. And, you know, as a pastor, you get this sometimes. Somebody will come to you kind of trembling. and Pastor, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not chosen to be saved, so I think I'm going to hell. And then you stop and you say, well, do you believe Jesus is your Savior, that he died on the cross from your sins? Oh, yes. I said, that's proof you are predestined because you can't believe that honestly unless God has opened your heart and predestined you. Uh, so faith in Christ is evidence. You can't have that unless you've been predestined. Okay, but we all sin over and over again. So how do you get over the belief that maybe God is condemning you? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I like First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our trespasses and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like Ephesians uh, 1, 7. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. And, you know, Jackie, if someone is struggling to believe that God forgives them, take out uh, Psalm 51. After David had killed Uriah, had sex with his wife, Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, he got convicted of his sin. And then he prays this powerful prayer of confession in Psalm 51. I like to read that. If I've blown it, I like to just get on my knees and pray out loud Psalm 51. So those are some ways you can know. Also, confess your sins to one another, James 5 says. So talk to some pastor, priest, or Christian friend about your sins. Can you exp explain what it means when it, you say the Spirit intercedes for us? Mm -hmm. It's like you and I, it's, you, Jackie, and I sometimes ask for dumb stuff, or we don't ask for the stuff we should be asking for. The Spirit is up there, it says, interceding with us with groans too deep for words. <laughs> so it's like, ah, and the Holy Spirit talks to God the Father for us. I think that's what it means. Would you also say that family abuse is a part of God's plan? Well, know, because we're having so much of that in the I nation know. today. I mean, you can't look at a newspaper or turn right. on the TV and yeah. the news and see something happening that's a family abuse issue. I know. And so the hard question for somebody that believes like I do, that God is in control of everything, is, okay, then child abuse, shootings in schools, 
Muslims beheading Christians, God's in control of all this. To me, I, w I still want to say the answer is yes to that. And let me show you why, Jackie. Do you know what the Romans 8.28 is of the Old Testament? No. All right, the Romans 8.28 of the New Testament is God works all things it's together for our good. He, uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 is the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. Joseph has been thrown down into a well, family abuse. For his brothers kicked him out of, out of Israel. He has to go to be a slave in Israel. So Joseph suffered horrible family abuse. And you know what he says at the end of it when his brothers come back and now he's second man in Egypt? You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. So Joseph could look at his family abuse that he suffered and say, yeah, it was horrible and what you did was evil. God used it for good. So even horrible stuff, God uses for our good. It's a hard thing for a person to think that mm -hmm. God is using it for good, though. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, you brought up about the saints in heaven and that, but where are the people who lived before Jesus died on the cross? Mm -hmm. The, like Abraham. Yeah. Or like Joseph mm -hmm. in the Old I Testament. Mean, they, never they never heard about the cross. Christ hadn't died yet, so did they go to heaven? The answer is yes. And if you, you want to read Romans chapter 4, where Paul teaches that Abraham, 2000 BC, is saved the same way we are saved after Christ, by faith. Now, Abraham believed God, and God counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham didn't understand that a Savior would come and die on the cross for his sins, but what he did understand, he had faith in, and God saved Abraham by faith. And so the difference, I mean, Abraham was saved by faith in Christ, even though he didn't understand it as clearly as we do. Well, was his, did he really know that there was going to be a savior well, at that, that point, kinda, or was it that he was saved because right. he believed in God? I, I think it was that he believed in God. You do get the promise of a savior in the Old Testament, but Abraham's way at the, near the beginning. And did he have a clear understanding God was going to send a Messiah? I don't think so. But Abraham, again, Romans chapter 4, Abraham believed what God told him, and, and God saved him. Okay, should Christians not fear death? And I guess there's another part to that mm -hmm. question. Is that well, possible? We sh we, yeah, we should not fear death. Uh, Romans 8, 28, not even death can separate us from the love of God. Now, do we fear death? I think we're still human. And I, I don't know many Christians that have absolutely not even a twinge of fear of death. But, I mean, Jackie, I know I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. If you put a gun to my head, I think I'd be going boom a boom you know. So I think, I think ultimately we don't fear it, but in our flesh we still can in our human nature. So it is possible, though? Well, it, to a degree. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I can think of times where I've even thought about what it would be like. So mm -hmm. we want to thank you for being with us. We pray that God would be with you this week, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.